Gemma, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for Cheers, having me. Cheers, Gemma. Really appreciate it. Another Jawbox session. Yes, Sherry, I feel like it's been a while. It has been a while. I have missed too you. Long, far Daniel too long. keeps asking for you. He really does. Well, you keep going off and making babies. So <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to sort of... <laughs> yeah, it's really holding back the Jawbox <laughs> session empire, yes. isn't it? You'll have to sort of... Take it up with back. HR. How do you know Gemma? And why did you want to have this conversation today? Gemma, I know basically, well, partly through your television fame, but also peculiar tea, of course, because I'm across the road and I've been twice, I think, and then two friends of mine have been on, I think, every single one of your theme nights. Very good. Because they're crazy about them. Uh They're brilliant. They're brilliant. And I love the way that you put it, that it's taking people out of reality. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, it's your only wonder world, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I think that's I think that's fantastic because there isn't any word that's doing anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's brilliant. And for somebody who started off wanting to be a nurse. Correct. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and then unfortunately you had a, a back injury. That's right. Is that what, what, what happened there? Yeah, so I left school and went to Queen's and done nursing um, straight after my A-levels. And while I was doing my placements and one thing or another, I started realising that I was getting a lot of pain on my back because right. um, obviously I was lifting people and one thing or another um, and eventually ended up having to get MRI scans and stuff done and it turns out that my I have like a an issue with my spine being shaped the right way um, and it didn't really show until I was as active as I was when I was doing nursing right. and um, had to get quite a lot of treatment done and then eventually failed my medical. Um, so find myself not doing nursing anymore um, which I was gutted about because that was always the goal that yeah. was the dream was to, to I wanted to help people and I wanted to I wanted to be a nurse wasn't smart enough to be a doctor but right. <laughs> didn't have the A-level results for that one but um, no one in this no. room does so you're all I mean <laughs> yeah, sorry yeah. Yeah, I don't want to speak out no. of turn unless you're holding <laughs> you're holding back on yeah. something well, here I don't like that bitch, <laughs> I never got an A-Lord and an A-star in my life <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that was the end of the nursing career right. before it even really took off. And then Tesco for a while. Then Tesco, yeah. So I had sort of I went to this sort of a school. I went to Assumption Grammar in Balnehinch, right. and um, I sort of took that school as you know, you're either a doctor or a lawyer, or you, you had to go to uni. It yep. was it was out of the question to do anything else. Um, so after I'd done treatment and I was sort of back on my feet again, um, I tried to go back and I'd done a foundation degree in biomedical science. Right. So I thought, this is it, you know, I need to use these A-levels. I worked hard in school, um, so this is what I'm going to do. And I just hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, find that I was only really going back because I thought that it was something I needed to do. Yeah. Um, but all the time I was just working in Tesco, working on a checkout, wasn't doing anything. And then the next couple of years were just sort of trying to get back to life a wee bit mm-hmm. to be quite honest um, had a really bad spell with my mental health um, because obviously I was at that stage where all my friends were now graduating and moving on to greater things and I was still working in Tesco and you know I was I didn't feel like I was progressing anywhere and I just I just couldn't deal with it at all and um, got to the point where I wasn't really able I wasn't able to leave the house really wow. um, so that then took me down a completely separate road of the the sort of journey of getting back to me, I suppose. Right. Um, got a lot of treatment done, um, went to cognitive behavioural therapy for a year, done all that sort of stuff. Um, came out the other end of that 
and started going around like community centres in Belfast and stuff and explaining what anxiety was and depression was and stuff. Um, so off the back of that, I sort of thought the lack of knowledge of mental health was mm-hmm. the issue. So if I could teach people what it was, um, it might help. You know, so we we done free sessions, positivity workshops, stuff like that. Basically, I started my own charity and we started doing mm-hmm. that. Um, and then I was again still needed to use these A levels because in my mind it was like sort of what am I going to do? Um, the charity obviously was just something I was doing for free with my own time. So again, working in Tesco the whole time, and then went back to Ulster. So I went to Ulster University in Belfast and done a degree in culinary arts management. So the culinary arts degree is four years. Um, so done that and only graduated in twenty nineteen actually. So I'm only on a uni four years. Right, yeah. Um graduated there with the first class honor shows. So wow. you you've been like studying and working through time though. So oh maybe- yeah. I've always <laughs> I'm you could probably call me a workaholic, yeah. to be fair. I've I've had a job since I was thirteen and I've never been unemployed since then. Right, yeah. Um What was the job? My I was a bar waitress at Le Mans Hotel. Right, um, at 13 and then I stayed there till I was 16 so yeah I've always been studying and then working obviously working an awful lot when I was studying the culinary arts degree because at that stage I'd moved to the old head in Crawfordsburn and I was doing sort of 45-50 hour a week there on top of full time degree so I didn't take a day off for four years Yeah. Um, but it was worth it because obviously look at oh, the yeah. success now and you know your, so. your mother was a chef wasn't she she was pre children that yeah. was mum and that's what she wanted to do um she worked in the we're from Cardiff so she worked in the Ivanhoe and a couple of places around there and yeah she she loves cooking um she actually works she's a chef in my kitchen now so right. um which is brilliant oh but you so you work with your mother right I work with all of them so yeah. my um both my sisters are in the kitchen with me as well which mm-hmm. is fantastic. So it's a, a family affair. Um, so, yeah, they're a massive part of what we're doing now, too. Brilliant. Now, was it, I read somewhere that when you first sort of get into the whole food industry and restaurants, you went out for lunch with your mum. Yeah, yeah. And you were looking at a job at this time. and Yeah. And she says, well, why don't you ask the chef there? Yeah, so I was say, Slim's, says, yes. Slim's Kitchen had just opened. Says, Do you have any weights? Yeah, that's exactly how it happened. That was lovely. Yeah, so we were were on the Lisburn Road. Slim's Kitchen had only been open a couple of months. And I went in for lunch with my mum and I just had a complete meltdown. And I was like, I still don't know what I want to do. And I was just, I was always like eager. Even when I worked in Tesco, I always worked loads of hours. Like I was always eager. I always had a really good work ethic. And I was like, you know, I need to do something that matters to me. Um, And... My mum just happened, to, I had my back to the pass, and my mum just pointed to the chef, and she was like, why don't you do that? Mm. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, you know, I'd made a couple of cakes and stuff before, yeah. but I'd never, ever in my, had never thought about food. You know, I was a, a pot noodle and a bit of white bread right. kind of garlic beforehand, and, um, you know, she's, and I went up, and Aidan was the head chef then, and I says, can you give me a job? And he just says, well, do you have any whites? Yeah. And I says, I don't know what they are. And he says, like, jackets? <laughs> and I says, no. And he says, right, can you get some? He says, where do you go? He said, the chef shop in Belfast. And that was it. The next week I started and it was just like, this. Oh, I found crazy. it. This is it. I mean, to get that opportunity, even though it wasn't maybe what you had forefront in your mind, for somebody to give you that opportunity. Oh, yeah. And then you to get the buzz and... So that was your gateway as such? That was it. it. That was it. And Literally, obviously, like a panicked conversation. A panic. And your mom's like, oh, sure, just ask that guy. <laughs> exactly. And then I went in and I was kind of like, 
I don't know if I have any interest in doing this. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I remember the first chef showing me how to sharpen a knife, and he was like, "You just sharpen," and I was like, "This is it. I want to work with knives." <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I found my calling, but no, that was um, that was, and then obviously Ryan Jenkins, who you've had on before, yeah. was there. Um, so he was there at the start of the journey too. So yeah, it's been, it's been mad. I've got yeah. a few follow-ups. So the work ethic, where does that come from? Probably my, probably family. You yeah. know, I, my mum and dad, um, I've always had a really good work ethic. My my dad, you know, he didn't, he started his own business when I was very, very young. We grew up, when I was growing up very young, um, we didn't have a lot. And then his his work ethic made him a very successful business. So on reflection of that, you know, I always seen it was always my dad at work and then my mum at work, my dad, you know, so um, probably from them. Crazy. And then you experienced something at a very young age that I feel like to have, to put it bluntly, to have everything that you were working towards be taken away from you. Mm-hmm. That's a really tough thing. Yeah. And you had to basically reinvent yourself mm-hmm. at the age, as you say, whenever everyone's starting their graduate jobs and probably buying houses and getting married and blah, 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 blah. In that journey there, like, what did you find out about yourself or what kind of rose up from, from the ashes that kind of use it? Yeah, um, I suppose there was, um, it's, I suppose there was really two ways. You know, I've always said that I've always found myself to be a very positive person. So even yeah. when my mental health was low, I always had a positive outlook. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I'm not good now, but I can get better. And don't get me wrong, there was plenty of times where I thought that that wasn't the case. Um, and that's usually why I would bring this up whenever I'm in things where people are listening because people don't, people look at the at Great British Menu and the restaurant and the success and they think, well, she has everything. And the reality is there's still days now where I can't get out of bed, you know, sure. and that's, right. but people don't see that, yeah. you know, and I think it's important to sometimes to bring that into conversation because it should be totally. normal, yeah. Yeah. you know. So and it, like anxiety, depression, is there one that would be stronger for you than the other or is it a mix? I would definitely be more anxious than depressed. Yeah. But you get moments of both. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, usually they come hand in hand. Now, don't get me wrong, 99% of the time I'm great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get that 1% day and where you just think, just hit you yeah. out of nowhere. Um, yeah. And I find that actually after I had just opened the restaurant, I actually put a, a video on our Instagram page of it. I think it was only two or three weeks after we opened the restaurant. And I remember walking in to the restaurant just being like, I don't want to be here. Mm. And I thought I remember doing a video and just being like, I feel so low, but this is the this is the dream. Mm-hmm. You know, and people always say like, oh, well, maybe you feel like this because you don't have such and such or mm-hmm. you don't have. And I was sitting in there in my restaurant in the city centre of Belfast nine years after I started cooking, not even at that stage it was eight, years after starting cooking with what people would kill for. And I yeah. was... It still wasn't, it didn't make any difference, you sure. know. Oh. So I think when I put that video on, we got like something like 15,000 shares because people were just like, yeah, this is this is the truth. You can have everything and doesn't mean that exactly, you're yeah. you're going to be all right. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, we all have up and down days, but I think it's just nice to have the conversation. Um, yeah. That's why we do so much for that sort of stuff in the restaurant. Yeah. You know, we've done a mental health theme. Um, we work in conjunction with the Suicide Awareness Group in um, West Belfast. You know, we do... We were and and our my staff are very much of the understanding that it's very much an open conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's something I've only started to really understand 
in recent years and like so I'm a suicide survivor so I've been through the okay. depression and the mental health journey in my teens and I'm 28 now so kind of you look at things differently and you, you read things and you learn things and someone put it to me recently where they said it is a respect of circumstance or it can be a respect of circumstance because that's what depression or anxiety is mm-hmm. if you're sad and you have a good reason to be sad that's called being human yeah. You know, yeah, like it, if, if you lose somebody or if it's really something that you've been working towards hasn't gone your way and you feel sad about that, you're not depressed. You're sad. Yeah. And you should be sad. If you weren't sad, you'd be, you'd be, you you'd be worrying. You do you know what I mean? Yeah. And same with, with anxiety. You know, are there times where you should be on high alert? Oh, you, you, you absolutely should be. Yeah. If you're being chased by a tiger, you better feel anxious. Yeah. But absolutely. it's whenever the sadness and the, and the, that anxious feeling is, way overplayed yeah. or not connected mm-hmm. and that's actually where it can come into the realm of a mental health problem yeah of course like anxiety is obviously something that it is built into us we need it or yeah. we'd be in trouble you know anxiety is the thing that tells you no whenever you're in danger and yeah. um, the problem is when you're anxious but for me it's more like a like a panic and being Anxious about things that make no sense to be anxious about, yes. you know, and whenever it becomes part of your every, every decision that you make, then you know that it's you're walk you're taking a step away from, oh, I'm anxious because I'm about to go on national television and I'm anxious because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to walk into the shop and have people look at me, you know, so mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, you, there is the balance. Um, yeah. But I think you're right. I think nowadays we hear anxiety and depression and it's thrown around so much Um and I think that sometimes that in itself can be quite dangerous because I think people that, like you said, having anxiety for a particular reason, yeah. it's not anxiety, that's a natural response. You know, sure. you're, wait, you're about to do your exams. You don't have an anxiety disorder. You're nervous because you're doing exams. Like yeah. that's that's a human thing to feel, you mm-hmm. know. Um, like I said, I think it's obviously whenever it's part of your day-to-day and every decision that you make is based around how easy it will make your anxiety or how hard it will make yeah, yeah, it, yeah. you know, that's whenever you yeah. see that difference. Yeah. Yeah, and those those natural feelings, a lot of them are to encourage us to take action in a certain direction to get us out of those situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. But when you when you move into the realm of you know mental health problems, then that kind of very powerful force is being turned against you, and then so you're not leaving the house. Yeah, you're not going to work, so you're, it's actually stopping you from taking the action that maybe even would make a difference. So it's yeah. interesting. With the name of peculiar tea, where did that come from? So I came up with the concept of a peculiar tea while I was in uni. So. Our, the degree that I done was, um, it was a business degree. Um, so our f- dissertation at the end of the, at the end of final year, we had to do either a research paper or a business plan. So I done a peculiar tea as my business plan. Mm-hmm. And then, ah, wow. uh, which, so I actually got that from doing the degree. Um, obviously alongside the lectures and stuff, giving me a hand. And then at the end of your final year, you, um, you have to, basically go in front of Invest NI, say this is the ideas that I've had and and they grade you on it and I got the highest grade of the of the year. So Brilliant. I was kinda like caught out could be onto something here. Um but I wasn't hundred percent sure that the concept would work. Um so I started it as a pop up. So I started doing pop ups in Belfast. I had one in Output Espresso obviously with that Gary owns um done a couple in Bangor and, you know, that sort of direction. And I was selling 50 tickets in two minutes. And I was like, you know, there might be something here. You know, this is, 
Yeah, if, you, if you're like doing Taylor Swift speed ticket yeah, numbers, yeah, you're yeah. on to Beyonce like, who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 100%. And I was like, God, something that this could really could be something. And then when I I done Great British Menu the first time, I didn't have my own restaurant. And then when they asked me to come back, I knew I was like, if I'm going to do it this time, the publicity has to be for me. Yeah. You know, so that was... Interesting that It was sort of... Yeah. And it was the end, just the tail end of COVID. So we opened in December 21. It was still masks and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And everybody was saying, you know, it's just absurd to open a restaurant. Like, this not the time to do it. During the most difficult and time. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I thought, it, it really is. It's now or never. So, and that was it. I just thought, right, let's do this. And the funny thing was, to Great British Man, you got in touch with you through Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Do. No. Because of COVID. Because of COVID, there yeah. There was no other way of getting So wow. I got a, a message from one of the producers um, on Great and, British and Menu. Sorry, that, and that was because they had seen your Yeah, your pop-ups. the pop-ups. Yeah, so they had seen the pop-ups um, and obviously it was all documented. So they were sort of following what we were doing. Um, and then they, the producer messaged me on Instagram. And, you know, obviously you get an Instagram for someone you don't know. And when I clicked on her profile, she only had something like 450 likes. And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So she was, you know, I'm the producer on Great British Menu. I'd love to have you on. Blah, blah, blah. Would you like to talk about it? So I just didn't even reply. Yeah, you're like, my dad's also like, a Nigerian prince. Yeah, too, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then she got back to me again. And I was like, She's kind of reluctant, but I gave her my phone number and we were on the phone for about an hour and a half. And I was like, right, let's suppose we're going to do this then. <laughs> Mad. Was there anything about the pandemic? This is a weird question to ask. Is there anything about the pandemic that almost gave you a unique opportunity that you wouldn't have had otherwise? Possibly. I think that I didn't take... So I worked in Hollywood during the pandemic and I didn't take any time off. So I worked the whole way through it. So for me, I feel like a lot didn't change. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of ways, I think I, I think I maybe have a very different outlook from a lot of people in hospitality when it comes to the pandemic in the sense that I think it done a lot of good for a lot of people in the sense that it it was a, a new beginning whenever and now, don't get me wrong, obviously financially and everything it was it was horrendous for the restaurants that were open. I know because I was managing one um but it was a new hospitality when we came back. Everybody had new fire in the belly. Everybody had been thinking about what they were going to do while they were sitting at home for two years, raring to go. So as soon as the restaurants reopened, I feel like Belfast had such a huge spike in incredible dining, which I think is only part and parcel with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. A lot of people obviously are also struggling to get chefs at the minute, and you know that is an issue. But again, and I, I don't want this to sound in the wrong way, but I think a lot of people that weren't right for the industry left um, because they find that obviously they can get um, Amazon delivery driving job for the same money as what you would get for chefing, but they're getting home in the evenings yeah. to see their families. So I feel like the people that stayed are the ones that are really committed to hospitality. Mm, yeah. And in that sense, I feel like it's a, sometimes a nicer hospitality to be in. Um, and also just it has changed hospitality in the sense that it's a nicer place to work now. You can't get away with the things that I, even when I was starting out, that you know the way I was being treated because that's the, just the way the kitchens were now. It's not like that now, which is nice. There's definitely more consideration given the life balance. Oh, big time! Yeah. Working at, um, now the only thing that I had noticed because people were so pent up and bustling, <laughs> customers took a wee while to 
knew how to treat people who worked in Absolutely. service and hospitality. Yeah. And some of the, the things that I overheard, I went, my God, that is unbelievable. Yeah. Thankfully, that's all calmed down. They were coming back rude? Unbelievably really? rude. I almost would have thought uh, they would have come back all, all mousy. Like excited most, excited most to see people. people. Were, but th- there was just... Interesting. They lost all their social skills. Were, yeah. Well, I mean, two years will do that. Yeah, anybody. well, that's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then during... during or just after COVID, which I thought was brilliant, you opened a restaurant on Tuesdays for people who might have had mental or who hadn't weren't mixing with people or seeing yeah, their friends. Yeah. You'd basically an open door. Yeah. Come in, have a cup of coffee and a, a chat. Yeah. And I thought that was amazing. I thought yeah, that was well, I suppose like it's always for me that the part and parcel of the restaurant is that it always comes hand in hand with, with what I've been through in the yeah. sense that I don't hide behind it. You know, it's many years ago or a few even a few years ago yes I would have I definitely wouldn't have the confidence to come out and speak about it like this Yeah. but I think that I'm a firm believer and everything happens for a reason and I think that the reason that I the way I like to think about it is I went through what I did so that I'm here to tell this to people yeah, that maybe absolutely. feel like they don't and that's what the Tuesdays were for it, it was just me I just opened the door yep. and people were free to walk in and just sort of say this is how I'm feeling this is what I'm going through and I from the very beginning, always say, I am not a psychiatrist. I have yeah. no training. But sometimes you just need to know there's somebody there to listen. Exactly. And people, t- I find that whenever I speak to people, they take a lot from my story because I can say, like, you know, I seen no way out at one stage. And now look, so that is so possible, you yeah. know, and I think people like to hear that, you know, so, um, but the Tuesdays were good. They were good. Yeah. And then even at one point, when things are maybe really rough, you opened up and you were giving Sunday dinners to people who. Yeah, so we done that last. We done that last. We actually done it through October through to December. So um, obviously that's when the real height of the cost of living crisis yeah. was really crippling people, and coming up to Christmas, um, obviously that's when the bills had really skyrocketed and the gas and all was up and people were struggling. So we opened the restaurants on Sundays for free. Um, so we done free three course meals for people that we thought that they needed them, um, and yeah, it was brilliant. My mom and dad were a huge part of doing that, um, and my aunties and stuff. Say, mom and dad was never out of place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every Sunday. Yeah, two sirloins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but they uh, they worked it, and brilliant. my aunties and my uncles worked it, and you know, and it was all volunteer based, and we just put on a, bit, a spread every Sunday. And it, and and it wasn't abused or anything, like sure. No, definitely. Like which I thought was also. That's, wonderful and yeah. for people's part to want this is this is a wonderful offering. And yeah, we're not going to rip the backside out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's you know it's great to see, you know we did have a lot of people get in touch and sort of say you know well this is pointless because you're going to have people that don't need it. But that on like on their conscience bit, that's yeah. I, I'm not going to demand to see how much people make or you know yeah. <laughs> if people feel like they need it then they need it and that yeah. and we had some incredible people come through the door actually. I had a lady come in to the restaurant a few weeks ago um, and she asked to speak to me. And when I went out and seen her, I says, I didn't recognize her. And she says, you don't know me, but I came to one of your free Sunday lunches. Mm. And I says, oh, that's amazing. And she says, I got you a gift. And I was like, right, okay. And it was a Bible that it was like this like really beautiful Bible. Right. And she was like, um, and she says, when we came here, um, my son had been a heroin addict for 38 years and I'd never seen him. And whenever he came home, we came here for free lunch because we couldn't afford it. Wow. And that was basically their first, re, like their re, reunited for the first time yeah. was because they could come to our restaurant. And it's just things like that. You know, it's just, oh, absolutely. And and what we, can follow on it was, that? And do you know what? See that like, 
I just think, and I know I'm biased, but I just think the people in Northern Ireland are incredible. Yeah. I really do. And I don't I think, I don't get me wrong, I know that it has its troubles and Catholic, Protestant, border, all that sort But when it matters, none of that's, like, when it comes down to it, nobody gives a shit. Oh, sorry, mm. am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, okay. but really, when it, ma- when it matters, people don't care yeah. about that stuff because, they like, we ask, I always said that we would do that from our own money. Um, now, every restaurant's struggling, but we would always find a way, yeah. you know, so I don't need any money. Thank you very much, to, you know, and people are just coming in and throwing, like, £100 at the staff, being like, use that for Sunday. And nice. so many people messaged Brilliant. and sort of said, you know, can you do... Can you please set up a GoFundMe page? And I was like, listen, I don't really want to do that. I don't like taking people's money. And eventually we gave in and we opened it. And within like something like three days with like £3,000. Nice. And I wasn't even asking people. Yeah. They were just like people coming in with five pound notes and saying like, this is all I have, but take it. And I was just like, this is what it's all about. You know, this yeah, is. And because we got all that money, we were then able to do food parcels um, for people that were coming. You know, there was families I think the first Sunday we had 80 people booked in and 40 oh, of them were children. That's and like mad. some of the children, that was their first proper meal that week. You know, there was, I remember a specific table that we brought out this huge bowl of mashed potatoes and the kids were like, whoa, like, look at all this food. Wow. What do we do with all this? And I was mm. just like, oh my God, this isn't. That's really amazing. But that was only because the people of Northern Ireland were like, let's give back. You know, and like I said, I never asked for anything yeah. and they just constantly wanted to give and give and give. And I was just... It really is just, it speaks volumes. It does. And I think because whenever there's things like children in need or any of these big charity events, I think it always comes out that we're the most generous of anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, Scotland, England, Wales, we, we here are always proved to be the most generous. 100%. Give the biggest amount. Yeah, and it's the same as... So like, lo- it's lovely to hear. Yeah, it's the know? same as even like Great British Menu. Like when you go on Great British Menu, even if you've tanked and you've done it really, like you haven't had a good dish, the people here are just like, whoa, we love you. Like we're rooting for you. This is yeah. great, you know, and it's just amazing. And they, it really is. It's where credit sometimes whenever yeah. it comes to things like that. And then going back to the Great British Menu, and I find this really, really interesting. As you said, it was actually more difficult going back the second time. Definitely. Where I would have thought, you know, well, I've done it the first time. I know where there's going to be cameras everywhere, and I know. But I read somewhere that you had said it was actually much, much more. Yeah. Because you put yourself under more pressure. Definitely. Because you th- is it because you think there's more going to be expected of you? Yeah, or? expectations definitely higher. You've been here yeah. before, and absolutely. And the first, because the first time I went on it, I got through to the final. Mm-hmm. I sort of thought, well, if I go back on this, I can't go any less. So yeah. I have to go to the Friday again. I have to go to the final. And if I don't, I've, I haven't yeah. succeeded the way I did last yeah. time. And people will expect that. And then when I done it the third time, I was like, this is it. It's higher than ever. <laughs> but I had always said I would give it three goes. That yeah. was, I spoke to the producer about it. And she said, sort of said it start because you can't apply for Great British Man. You have to be asked. Yeah. And every year I always get the phone call around June. Because you start filming, depending on the year. Last year was October, so it's all it's very very quick. Um, so they phone you in about June time, and there's every year they've been like, okay, are we doing this again? And like, come on, yeah. And I'm like, oh god, don't know. And they're like, come on, like you're gonna. Right. Um, and I obviously always say yes. Then you have, you don't know who you're going on with, obviously. Um, so you have a certain amount of weeks to get ready. Um, then you get your you get your menu brief. So they'll obviously say, okay, like last year, um obviously the brief was 
what was the race again? Oh, um, Paddington Bear, 65 years of Paddington Bear. So um, they will send you a brief mm-hmm. and then a breakdown of what you can sort of go close to or stay away from. Yep. And then you start to film in October. So it's it's all very much, a very, very quick turnaround. Um, it's all finished by February then. So, you know, it's... They don't hang about. Really, it's be really intense then. It is, yeah. When you're over there, yeah. yeah. And the other thing that amazed me is like all the props. Mm-hmm. Are, I mean, some of them were amazing. Oh my god, incredible! And do you work those out? And then are you given a budget? No, for, you pay for them yourself. You, you have to oh, pay wow. for them yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Everything comes out of everything comes out of your own pocket for Great right. British Money. Apart from the ingredients and stuff, they but when you're over there, yeah. And obviously traveling over in hotels and stuff, that's all them. But. It is up to you what you bring and what a, you do. A lot of the props are very bespoke. Like oh my they? god! Like um, last year, um, what do you call him from the Ritz? He I he spent twenty two thousand pound on props because when he when I was told wow. I was like I'm sorry like that I don't even like have that's wow. half of what it cost me to open my restaurant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah, absurd. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's I've just, always had this thing because I, I I adore eating out. I love eating out because to me it's. I mean, my husband, lucky enough, is a very good cook, mm-hmm. and I love his cooking. But there's something about eating out. It's an experience. It's a. It's more than just having a plate of food. But I've always had this thing. We were we've went out, and you can have a lovely meal, which is just set on a very ordinary plate, mm-hmm. and you go, like that was delicious. But it needs. It just the meat. It's like food is almost like art, and it needs to be framed well. Absolutely. And if you frame a dish. Even if you're not hungry, it could make you feel, oh, my God, I want to eat this. Mm-hmm. And I've been to some restaurants and their table work is, like, phenomenal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I'm sure I didn't even say it. That was like a, what do you call that? Presenter can say phenomenal. <laughs> 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 so, um, no, and you just go, oh, my God, that, that looks amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So with the props, and then that brings back then the, uh, the, uh, the peculiar tea. Mm-hmm. Where you would be very prop orientated, depending yeah. on what the story is or what the theme yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. We try and sell it as like as a as an experience. So yeah. that's that's what I'm going for with the peculiarity. Um, that was obviously well before Great British Menu. So luckily, Great British Menu just happens to run the same way. Right. Yeah. But I've always had a like a very overactive imagination. I've always had been very childlike. Um, huge fan of. Disney, Harry Potter, sort of, yeah. that sort of stuff. Because I just find it a second escape. And I just think it's, it's totally. nice, yeah. you know. And I'm, I love fairy tales. I love Roald Dahl. And I love, you know, all those sorts of things. So whenever I opened the restaurant, that obviously had to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you've been in the restaurant, yeah. so you know that it looks like... like and even like the, the... I think, I mean, I love that. Is it the, like the, the small... Like, um, Grandfather clock that's sort that's of twisted, of a yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's all three things I like got, and then the paintings you have on the, the murals, wall and, yeah. And even just the outside with the two big mushrooms, and the, and then <laughs> you over your door. But there's another thing, considering you're in a student area, because mm-hmm. whenever you put them out the first time, went, they'll they'll not be there tomorrow, and they've never been touched. Never been touched. It's a really lovely to area, be, <laughs> but to be in a student area, yeah. Because you would think, right, that's far better than a traffic home. I want that. <laughs> yeah, I want of that course. In my bedroom. And they've never been. No, they've never brilliant. been touched. No, it's it. No, we'd be very lucky that way. But yeah, the restaurants, it's quirky, and that's a huge part of it. Is sort of selling it as a theme. So yeah. obviously, we've done, we done a best of Roald Dahl theme. We're currently doing a Greece theme. Um, I was in Greece Lightning, not the country. Um, <laughs> but we always do those sorts of themes, and then part of that has to be the food and how it's presented. Yeah. So. 
I mean, at the minute, um, obviously Danny Zuko, when he's in the cafe, orders like the double polar burger. So we have mini burgers and corns and all that sort of stuff on. And then it's served on a, re- a Rydell High sort of, you know, thing that they would carry around the schools. And, you know, yeah. so that's all the idea is that you're completely immersed in the experience. But the purpose of that is so that you're not thinking about outside. That's yeah. the idea. You're supposed to come into a peculiar tea and lose all of the stress, all of that adulthood nonsense that just yeah. that fills so much of our day. The purpose was to create something where people could escape from that. And I think so far mm-hmm. we've done pretty well. Yeah. Like Harry Potter, when we done that, was just it was oh, just the, madness. The two friends like, they well, they're big mad Harry Potter fans. And they went twice. Oh my god! Because the menu we, it isn't just a menu; it's a story. Yeah, and you go along with the story, so there's a beginning, middle, and end. And yeah, and we filled and, like we filled ten weeks of Harry Potter in three yeah. days, like oh bookings. It was just it, like obviously Harry Potter's very popular, so it flew out. But yeah. I mean, we also spend two days redecorating the mas- restaurant for every theme. You know, yeah. we change the menus, the staff uniforms change yeah. for every theme. You know, so we really go all out when oh, it comes to just. It's amazing. Yeah, have you been? Never discussing. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. it. I'm shutting this That's podcast it, down right room. now. Enjoyed it. See you later. You're selling, you're selling it well then. Yeah. No. It is. It's something we just. I just wanted to create something that was a wee bit of me that people could come in. Like we have like ladies that are coming in dressed up as pink ladies, and the men are dressed as T-birds. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When we do, you know, we done a Tim Burton theme. Like people were coming in dressed as in Halloween costumes, and yeah. you know, it's just. And they love it. You know, they're having, don't get me wrong, they're having a seven-course fine dining tasting menu mm-hmm. and pairing wines, but they're, you know, but they're dressed up. And it's, you know, it's just, yeah. it's brilliant. It is. So it just adds to the whole experience. Absolutely. As well as the, just gives you exactly a, wee ch- a wee chance to go back into your childhood for a wee bit and sort of let out the inner child, you know. And the other thing that you said that I loved was that a kitchen, working in a kitchen, should almost be a, like a joyful experience, yeah. Where there's no anger, there's no shouting, and which I thought was brilliant because, mm-hmm. like, although I'm old school and go back more years than I care to remember, <laughs> and but when I worked in the kitchen, all you heard, you used to have to go in the kitchen and go, lads, come on, keep that down. Yeah, yeah, of you, course. Well, you would have heard, and in some places it still is. Yeah. And then I was thinking, like, in the likes of TV, mm-hmm. where you've got like Gordon Ramsay who yeah. gives that, and I was thinking. It, Gordon Ramsay's a bit to blame why we can't get chefs. Yeah. Because anybody watching that would go, I don't want to work in that environment. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way the environment is today yeah. anyway. No, it's not. It has changed. And like, I'm very lucky that I actually have a full female kitchen, which is mm-hmm. quite rare. So it's eight female chefs. Um, not by choice. I brought the girls with me. Um, and every time we've advertised, it has always been females who have applied, probably because they know it's a full female kitchen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, we're we're a family, you know, we, in the sense that some of us actually are, and mm-hmm. we also have a lot of family members that work on the floor that are related, so, you know, it, but I just think it, it makes better hospitality, it, it, there isn't, all the shouting and the screaming and the blaming and the, it doesn't it reflects, anything, yeah, and it, it just doesn't, it. yeah, it's and completely it means, pointless. It means your customers that you have sitting in the restaurant start to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, we have an open pass as well, yeah. so obviously we wouldn't be able, but even if we had a closed pass, it's no different, you know, this, I, I, I say... I don't understand what that means, what's an open pass? Open pass, pass, so basically you can see in our kitchen. Okay, cool. So yeah. you can see us cooking and plating and, and stuff, so and yeah. um, the plate's going out so they can hear us. 
uh, the guests can hear us as much as we can hear the guests. Yeah. Um, but I still just don't think, I don't think it adds anything. You know, yeah. all you're doing, you know, the way I see it, now we, again, I try very hard to look after my stuff. We don't have basically a zero turnaround since we've opened mm-hmm. um, because I want to keep them because it's to my benefit that yeah. they stay. Oh, yeah. um, and <clears throat> like my chefs do a three and a half day week. Um, they get paid very well for it. They get treated with respect and, you know, it's just that's the way it has to yeah. be because the, the way that it was wasn't working. Yeah, we couldn't get people into the industry because they were underpaid. They were working eighty hour weeks. Like I remember working in the inn only the old inn in Crawfordsburn, maybe six seven years ago, and I was getting twenty three grand a year and working an eighty hour week. Yeah. You know that, and that was that was standard. You're just exhausted, really. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. But that was it, yeah. and you did. You never complained. You never because well, nobody would listen to you. Yeah. But you ha- you just had to get on with it. Whereas now, you know, we get like even Christmas. I guess it's just a prime example. This year for Christmas, we're closing Christmas week and the, the week, first week in January. Right. So all of our hospitality staff get two weeks of Christmas with their family. And everybody that's working, like I have people there from the merchant from that have worked all over Belfast yeah. and surrounding areas that have, have never had that. And I'm now in a position where I could say, enjoy enjoy Christmas with your totally. family. Really, you know, and that's... Really and Rand was the same, Rand Jackins yep. from Rome when he was in. And it was that work-life balance. And he, he was at that everybody's guaranteed a three-day period off. Yeah. yeah. So if they want to go on a long weekend, they can go. Absolutely. It's the only way and to go. It means everybody's coming back happy. And they're, yeah, they're, they're raring they're to go. Buzzing they could go on again. That's exactly and it. And then that reflects on, on the restaurant floor. Yeah. And that keeps your customers coming back. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, if you keep the staff and the customers come back and they recognise the faces mm-hmm. and then they know what sort of foods they like, what they can recommend, mm-hmm. it just works on, a, it does. on every and, level. Yes. And I'm convinced that's why we do well because yeah. our our customer service is incredible. And like I, I know everybody's going to say that about their own restaurant, but we have an, just an outstanding team. Yeah. Of all the Brilliant. places I've ever worked, I've never had a team like it, but they're so passionate about what they do. Like, And maybe it is because it's so quirky that they enjoy it so much because yeah. we change the menu quite frequently. We change it every six to eight weeks. So they're never doing anything for too long. They get a say in what their uniform's going to be. You know, it's just they get any time off Brilliant. that they need. You know, exam periods, take what it, how many weeks do you need? Done. You know, it's a... Because that's so how it has to work. Yeah. And that it means that <clears throat> out the front, our front of house team are all now best friends and they yeah. spend their weekends outside of work together. And, you know, right. it just creates such a nice atmosphere, yeah. which then reflects on to the guest. Yeah, totally. it's totally. it's really interesting. We had a conversation yesterday with somebody and they were talking about business. And it was a very hard conversation for me to hear because I, I, I resonated with it. And uh, they said that whether you like it or not, eventually your business becomes a mirror that reflects your own values, mm-hmm. what you believe, and what you actually do. It reflects your own actions back Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. And so if there's problems in your business, if things are going out wrong, it tells you something about yourself that Absolutely. you need to change. Which makes complete sense. If there's things coming back to you in that mirror that are that are good, and it's like, okay, great, these are these, this is good positive feedback for me. If there's yeah. problems with your team, then you need to always look back as a leader. And I think listening to you, what I love is... Uh, your business is, it reflects a lot of the values that you have mm-hmm. and your values for respecting people, your values for family, your values for providing an escape for people, mm-hmm. your values for playfulness and creativity, your values of that childlikeness is really yeah. fun, but also 
listening to what you were saying, Jerry, in a strange way, it almost is like your your customers then start to reflect those things as well because mm. you yeah. start to attract certain types of Absolutely. people and the regulars totally. that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's a that's just a fabulous way to do business. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's great, and we have we have a huge customer base now that people we're usually three to four months booked in advance mm. um, when people are in for the menu while they're there they book for the next menu because they don't want to miss it because it goes so quick um, which is just great and yeah. the guests like we have guests that come in now and hug our stuff because they know them so well and you know like it's it's just like it is that. but to me that's the way it has to be yeah. you know yeah. I, well, I would never want to that's wanna... lovely actually and I'm just thinking that there's a place in Dublin which is our absolute happy place and it's the uh the sidecar in the Westbury. Mm-hmm. And we've got to know all the staff. And when we walk in, they will come round and give us a hug. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just lovely. We have like particular certain beer mats and stuff we put out for staff that we got personalised because we know they're coming. Yeah. You know, that's to me that the way I see it is it's very, very black and white. Very simple. Those people are spending a serious amount of money to come in yeah. and pay my wages, pay my staff's wages, keep my my vision, mm-hmm. my business, my love, I'll continue yeah. because they're choosing us. And that's the way I always describe it to my staff. You know, every week they're getting £500 into their bank. Yeah. Where do you think that money's coming from? It's from those people totally that yeah. are paying you that money. Yeah. So we have an obligation to make sure that they get the best experience they can. And this is the thing, like, I, I don't actually mind saying naming names. I used to work for Frankie's and Benny's when I was, yeah, yeah. my first job, worked as a busboy. And I don't know if it's a corporate chain thing or if it's different whenever you're you're working for, uh, like, a smaller business or a family-owned business. But, like, the, the attitude among staff is, like, you hate the customer. They're yeah. a nuisance. Or, like, even, like, even a lot of freelance, uh, like, digital businesses, they talk about clients as if it's a bad word. Yeah. And I'm just kind of sitting there, I'm like... But without them, you don't have the business. The, like, <laughs> yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Exactly, it's like, yeah. th- this is their what this thing is yeah. all about. But you can, I think you door. can tell that when you go to a restaurant, though. You can tell straight away. Yeah. Whenever that... I always think you can tell by a person's eyes. So when I get... When, even like when somebody comes to serve your table, you know, some of the guys that we have in work, honestly, I'm, I could be so brutal watching them serve yeah. people because I'm like... You truly love what you're doing here. Yeah. Like, you couldn't do any more for these people. And they're like, don't get me wrong, our staff are paid well, but it's probably not much higher than anybody else getting yeah. Belfast. They just do it because they love it and yeah. because they get to express themselves. They get well looked after. You know, we do family meal every day. We get, you know, it's just, Brilliant. it has just worked out so well. But again, that comes down to re- reflecting a lot on the way I've been treated through hospitality and making sure that yeah. never happens again because it's just not the way that hospitality is to move forward. If we, as an industry, are struggling so badly to get people to enter the industry, then the problem is with the industry. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. And that's the wow. only way, you know, and the only way I find, I feel like I am in that generation of Ryan Jenkins and people like that. We are a new generation of chefs that are coming through that have the opportunity to change that. And I, I I would say I don't know anybody that is in that generation of me and Ryan who aren't doing it, which is lovely to true. see. That, that's actually very true. And at the end of it, what's happening is it's a better experience for the customer. Absolutely. Yeah. You're getting better food, better experiences, and want to go back, you know, which yeah. that's lovely. Great. I mean, I remember many, many, many years ago, there was a certain restaurant not too far outside Belfast, 
and you would have been sitting and you would have heard pots getting thrown and yeah. And then the next thing you would have seen somebody run near the kitchen and the chef run out with a knife and you're going, thank God, what's going on? There? And you don't even have to forget dinner on a but show. It, it's just it dinner on the show. But it actually turned out that that's what it was. Yeah. It happened once mm-hmm. through your circumstance that it actually, and then people were talking about it that much. Now, there was no social media then. Mm-hmm. I didn't think there was any mobile phones then. But the word got about and then people got it going. So we ended up Doing it. Oh, it was a bit. So it was just a wee bit, and oh, people would go because it would be to see. If he gets a wee drink, and then he'll start to throw. Oh, and just bang. <laughs> but the the first time it happened, it happened as a you yeah, know, yeah, 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 as a proper. That's like guerrilla marketing, like way back in the <laughs> so day. Yeah, isn't it? They started doing it every now and again, and people would queuing up the grinning. Oh, that God. is so <laughs> funny. And then UFC, was, uh, the kitchen you version. You should do like, like a knives out theme <laughs> where it's like. Um. <laughs> There was used to be a really, really famous restaurant in London, um, and it was owned by two movie stars and an Irish guy, who was a restaurateur. Um, I think it was Langham's or something, maybe really, really yeah. famous back. This would have been back in the sixties, and um, it was owned say, by two film stars in this restaurateur. And the, the Irish guy would have sat it at the end of the bar and just got pissed yeah. and abused people. Crazy. And people <laughs> used to go just to hear him abuse. <laughs> <laughs> and he would just sit the boy and get blocked. Yeah. Oh, and he would come out with stories and just abuse and then, <laughs> Yeah. Crazy. And um, so just, thankfully, we've all moved on since yeah, then. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. It, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice change. And it, like, and it's been, a, I feel like it's been a very quick change, even for my start in kitchens, you know, not to name anybody, but I worked for a head chef once that wouldn't let me cook because I was a female. And that's in the last eight years. So that just got, you know. <laughs> oh, that is insane. And it was just, no, like, it's just not happening. The men are on the line and the and I was wow. the only girl. Until I opened my restaurant, I had never worked with another female. So apart yeah. apart from the team that I brought with me from yeah. my last job. Yeah. But that was that was it. I did had never, like it wasn't a thing. Yeah. And I think it's nice now that females are getting obviously more involved in it. But even... One of the one of the chefs I have in with me now, she's currently studying the culinary arts degree, and one of the lecturers phoned me to give her a job because he wanted her to see real hospitality and not being thrown into somewhere where she's not treated right. You know, so yeah. that because she's so good, she oh, has right. she has the passion, she has nice. the burned like she has that burning desire to learn. But sometimes people get so put off it by the way they're treated yeah. throughout it that they leave it before they shoot yeah. because they're better than that, you know. So and if you were you... to take, sorry, Jerry, if yeah. you were to take uh, someone from the scene locally here out for a meal or like someone you'd like to learn from, is there anyone you'd like to swap notes with? Um, Probably... Well, probably the big hitters. Like, I think that's what everybody wants. The likes of Stevie Toman, Mox, or, you know, Alex Green. Um, obviously, has done Great British Menu a couple of times, but we have never crossed paths doing it. Um, but to be honest, like, it probably somebody like Kubo, you know, where it's, like, something I don't know about, you know... I don't know a lot about Filipino food. I don't. I, mm. I think that is why Belfast is getting so great because it's getting so diverse, and we have so. Even when you know Andy Oliver, who presents Great British Menu, um, was over recently. We went for dinner, and she came over to the restaurant, and you know I was explaining some of the things we have here in New Caribbean place, just opening in Marrow, and she was yeah. like, "I live in London, and we don't have this. Yeah. We don't have the diversity like you have here. You know, like every you're just seeing all these wee places that are bringing." their style of cooking to Belfast, which 
just improves Belfast. Yeah. You know, we, you mm. literally can't. So probably somebody like that yeah. who's going to teach me something that I couldn't get from a normal book. You yeah. know, somebody that is going to show me how to make, you know, I do, um, I done a bit of work with um, Ardetska. So it's called the Silk Road Supper Club. They've actually just brought out a cookbook. Yes, seen that, yeah. um, so we done a pop-up with them two or three weeks ago. Um, where basically they it's refugees and asylum seekers, females, um, and they came to the restaurant and cooked a couple of their meals and we sold it out for dinner or whatever else. But I actually started with them a couple of years ago and the idea was that these women were seeking asylum and they wanted to do a pop-up of their food, um, but they had no idea, obviously, about our hygiene policies and things like that from here. So when they reached out to me, I was like, yeah, 100%, I'd love to do this. So I went in to work with these women to sort of show, like, this is like a chef's knife and this is the coloured board you'd use for cotton veg. Yeah. And I was schooled. Like, I they, they made an idiot out of me because I was like, look how I cut this lovely parsley nice and fine. And this one, like, one of these ladies just got this bit of parsley and she was just hacking away at it with it in her hand. But it was the finest parsley I've ever seen. But it's just oh, how they do it. Yeah. They do it. So I was there to teach them. But the reality was I learned so much yeah. of their cooking. And, you know, this women from Syria and, you know, from all around the world that have basically have nothing. And the only thing that brings them together is food. And it's just incredible. But that's what I think Belfast is so unique for. Yeah. We have so many beautiful wee spots that are just doing food that they're passionate about. Yeah. Class. No, brilliant, brilliant. No, what I was going to ask you when you were saying about the chef who, because you were a woman, wouldn't let you cook, you mm -hmm. know, and all, all your, you actually went through some stick because all your, you you, you, you some, which I, I've seen some of it in social media, and some of it was just, Unreal. Oh my God! You've no like. There's no. You've no it idea. Unreal, uh, we I mean. do. I have had I, some seriously disgusting stuff said to me and posted to me, and especially after Great British Menu, the second year I was on, I actually had to remove my social media because it was so bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, listen. I think that comes part and parcel with doing it. You know, if you're going to put yourself out there, you you have to accept that you're going to get some stuff back. But that being said, some of the ways I was treated in kitchens. If it was done now, even though it was only six or seven years ago, yeah. if it was done now, the person would like it would be a serious offence. Like it's and that's, I suppose for me then it was sort of I wanted to be one of the lads. So even if they you know slap me in the ass or would do it, I was just like ha ha good one, you know, because because yeah. that was the culture because then. that was how that's how it went. Yeah. I was the only female, so I was the one that was touched and yeah. you know and that. You know, to me then it was kind of, I would never have dreamt of complaining about it because then I wouldn't have been part of the group. Mm. And that was the only option when you're the only female, you have to blend in. Yeah. And that was just the way it was, um, which is a shame. But at that time, I was kind of like, well, I have to just get on with this. And I suppose a part, massive part of me was like when I worked because it was harder, whenever I worked, I, I was always the first in, always the last to leave. I give it 110 when they didn't because mm -hmm. I need to me I needed to prove myself yeah. you know and I actually remember whenever I got promoted in the end so I was promoted to sous chef and like the men like some of the men were like I'm not working here anymore like this is not I'm not working for a female and that's this is just ridiculous and that's and that nuts. you're talking for four or five like people wow. have, it, it is it's tough really that long it ago really isn't that yeah. long ago and I still think there is a long way to go and um, I think that 
if you look even at, you know, if you look at the Michelin Guide, how many female chefs are in it? Very mm-hmm. few. You know, it's not, it, it's very hard for women to get to the top. And that is just, uh, and that is the reality. Um, and I know that people probably argue with that with me about it, but I've lived it. And yeah. I know that it's not as simple, but you just have to progress. And then when you get to the top, then you're sort of like, yeah, well, was it worth it? Yeah, 100%. Phenomenal. And I learned a lot of who I am, a lot of how to treat people, how not to treat people <clears throat> as as part of that, you know. So it is what it is. But I mean, 11 months into opening the restaurant, we were in the Michelin Guide, so... Come on. Fuck <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So Jerry, any, then, any closing? Well, I mean, well, one of the things, cause, and this is just like, um, whenever you were in the Fitzwilliam, mm-hmm. you became head pastry chef. Yeah. And pastry is it's almost a science rather than bacon. Everything yeah, has yeah. to be the exact measurements. And and as any of that, obviously some of that's carried through to peculiar tea. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, when we were there, this, I had to say the sweets were, you know, what do they call Instagramic or, you know, yeah, yeah, Instagrammable. Everybody was taking photos. The sweets. I like Instagramic. Yeah. I'm going to start yeah. using that. Instagramic. Yeah. Is that, is that Instagramic. it? Did you get that from TikTok? That's pretty, pretty <laughs> hip and new. That's cool. Leading from the front, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> it all started here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it's definitely, uh, yeah. Um, I think, again, females are always pushed into pastry. That's yeah. just the way it goes. So I was always in, I was a pastry chef for Why a long, long that? time. I think because... I don't know, men prep meat, you know, yeah, men yeah, yeah. cook on Run the grills, months. you know, it's, it, that's, I think it was just always sort of, that, yeah. that's mm. as soon as I started in the kitchen, it was kind of like, okay, well, you're in pastry. And listen, I think that that is a great thing. I <coughs> encourage anybody who is certain as a chef or maybe doesn't know a lot about pastry to do it because yeah. I think the, the values you learn doing pastry and the importance of following ingredients and mm. recipes and stuff, whereas it's very different when you're cooking normally. You know, you're you're making a sauce, you put a splash of sherry yeah, vinegar in, you put a splash your, of this yeah. in, put it whereas when you do that in pastry, even when you do it right, it doesn't work sometimes. Yeah. Um but I think it teaches I, I always find that fascinating that it's such a sense. Oh, to the gram, yeah, like micro scales yeah. is a lot of what we and you know, and it I just think that's brilliant. I think pastry is I love pastry because yeah. I think it you just create something that you're like Wow, that's that's cool, you know. <laughs> you know, we, we've we've got the love watching, you know, the the other menu show where the where it is all pastry. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is it the? It's is it the Bake Off? Grubers Bake Off. Yeah. Yeah, and like when they're doing the glass work and the sugar work and yeah, it's insane. And, and it's all so refined, and you've got guys from the Savoy and the Ritz, and mm. and it's just it's just powerful to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's of amazing. Course. It's class. And if you if you were, or am I jumping the gun here with this one? Are you going to do your the final question? Oh, Jerry, what I was going to ask do you know what? It would be my absolute pleasure to hear come out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to ask do you because I found when I left the bar game, if I was going somewhere, I almost found it difficult to get into some bars because mm-hmm. you spot everything, mm-hmm. and I would end up clearing glasses off tables and. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there anywhere that you can enjoy going for a meal and totally relax? Did Honestly, not... everywhere. I'm just not like that. I yeah. not not. I have a fine dining restaurant, but I'm not a fine dining gal. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it's not my kind of food. I would much prefer 
to go to Pie Guy and get a bit of pizza yeah. and then go to, you know, I love food trucks. I love all that sort of, I love trade market. I love what they're about. Yeah. All of that sort of, I just love people that are passionate about what they do. And yeah. I don't care if that's a bowl of ramen or a taco, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, to me, that's much better food than what I'm doing in a sense because I'm doing classic gastronomy. Yeah. These people are doing what's in their blood, you know, yeah. so... And it's good, heartwarming. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I, I, totally, I mean, one of my favourite places would be like Madame Fouin, mm-hmm. um, which is the best ramen I've ever tasted. Yeah, oh, 100%, and yeah. there's the wee Greek shop, mm-hmm. the, I can have a Taiyaki or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Greek restaurant. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. We I mean, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. And as you were saying, like all these people coming in and Lhasa, um, yeah. down in Common Market, yeah, yeah, the Filipino course. food. There's, I mean, it's just class. Middle. We've just we have such an We're array of hospitality for, here. Yeah. 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 Final question. I thought this was the one you were going to do. Oh, no, no, so I'm glad you saved me one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you could go back in a time machine mm-hmm. to, let's say Gemma, who had just found out she can do nursing. Mm-hmm. So let's go right to the heart of it. Yeah, there. yeah. And you had a couple of minutes of that younger version of Gemma's time. What sort of things would you say to her? Uh, probably just to persevere, just to keep going. Um, you know, that it is, it has been a tough road, to be quite honest, between work and, you know, mental health and things like that. It hasn't been easy to get to this stage. Um, but I wouldn't change a single bit of it because Mm. I'm convinced that, like I said, I have the flat, the platform that I do for a reason. And I think it's because I have... I'm hoping I have created something that's unique in Belfast that is not just food, but it's for people. Mm-hmm. And that's really important to me. Um, and I think that that is something that I would never change. Mm-hmm. So as much as going through the the mental health journey and all that sort of stuff, at that time, I would have given anything to not have it. I don't think I would be who I am <sighs> without it. You know, So I, I probably would just say, just keep going, keep pushing, keep good. Like, you know, every time you're told no because you're a female or every time you're, you know, you're not invited to mm-hmm. do things, you know, don't get disheartened because yeah. you're, there is a reason that this is all yeah. happening. And I, I get to run a beautiful restaurant in the city centre of the place I've bo- I'm born and bred from um, with a team of 30 incredible people that I wouldn't change for the world. So. Lovely. You know, it really, it's great. It's great. It's amazing. Well, uh, That's just wonderful to hear. Yeah. Genuinely, it's wonderful to hear. I lo- love to see, and I think Northern Ireland has lots, and but needs more <laughs> of values-based business owners Yeah. who it's not just about the bottom line, as important that, as that is. It's mm-hmm. obviously, it's what business is all about, but actually looking to contribute on a wider societal level. Yeah. And so I appreciate everything you're doing and I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Brilliant. Thanks, Jerry. So one last thing. The bag. The bag. (laughs) So as in tradition of the job back sessions, we couldn't have you leave here. Oh, we're getting fished. (laughs) (laughs) This is the after pod party. Here we go. (laughs) Oh, he brings out the bottle of gin after. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I very much appreciate that. Class. Enjoy that with ginger ale and a squeeze of lime.
the perfect serve. Listen, you're the boss. The I know tell you how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for listening and watching. Roska, thank you so much for producing today. And thank yeah, you. we'll see you again next time. Cheers. Cheers.